With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Chicago Bears have an official 53-man roster for the 2022 NFL season. We learned who made the cut, who didn't make the cut, who might be coming back to the practice squad. There's a lot to discuss on today's episode of the Bears Talk podcast, and we have a very special guest, one of the best Chicago Bears podcast hosts out there, Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears. He's going to be joining us to break down who made it, who didn't make it, some surprise decisions by general manager Ryan Poles, all that and more coming up on the Bears Talk podcast. Before we bring Lauren into the show, I got to take care of some business. You guys know the rules. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Of course, Bears fans, we got to stick together. The better the review, the better the chance this podcast will make it to other Bears fans out there. Head over to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. The video format of this podcast is there so you could see my ugly mug and comment on all the things I'm doing right or wrong in the comments, but make sure you subscribe so we hit that lucky 1,000 subscriber number. And make sure you go to bearstalk.com, where all of our daily Chicago Bears news notes and analysis is being published on Twitter. You can follow me at Brian Perez NFL. You can follow Bears Talk at the Bears Talk. And you can follow our next guest, Lauren Cox, at Cox Sports One. He is the host of of the Locked On Bears podcast. We're going to bring him in right now. Lauren, welcome to the Bears Talk podcast. Welcome to the 2022 NFL season. Welcome to the 53-man roster of the Chicago Bears. Well, I'm, I'm glad I made your cut downs today, Brian. I was, I was worried I wasn't going to make it, but didn't have to have that awkward pink slip meeting, so happy to be here. Well, you might be more of a practice squad player. I think you're more like you're coming back on the practice squad. Lauren, for everybody that doesn't know the working relationship, Lauren and I have had it. It dates back many, many years when Lauren was a young buck in the industry and I was just starting to get some gray hairs. We worked together over at Bears Wire. He was a colleague of mine over at NBC Sports Chicago. We spent, you know, many, many senior bowl trips grinding senior bowl prospect tape and scouting reports and doing a lot of NFL draft work. So our Bears coverage has crossed over back and forth in many different formats throughout the years. And now it's a, it's a pleasure to see the the growth that Lauren has had with the Locked On Bears podcast. Lauren, tell the listeners of the Bears Talk podcast a little bit about your show and what you bring to the table for the Bears fan every morning on their daily commute. Yeah, Locked On Bears is here for you five days a week. We're your team every day in the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're always checking in on the biggest and, and latest coming out of Hallis Hall. A lot of Roster talk the last few days, of course, the preseason games has been a fun time and looking ahead to the season, just trying to provide a little balance to some of the coverage out there, you know, trying to be as in-depth as we can on this team and try and get you a little something every single day to get you ready for your Bears. Yeah, you're definitely a machine, Lauren. Everybody on that Lockdowns podcast network, five days a week, I mean, that's that's incredible. I'm trying to get up to two, maybe three days a week here with the Bears Talk podcast for you to have a show live every day or up and and ready for listeners every single day, five days a week. That's impressive. So all you Bears fans out there, make sure you are subscribed to the Locked On Podcast, so you, Locked On Bears Podcast, so you can hear analysis like we're going to dive into right now 
about the Chicago Bears 53-man roster. Lauren, let's start with, I don't know if you want to call it the negative, but who's what was the surprising cut of the day for you? Who didn't make this roster that you thought when you woke up this morning was a sure thing to be a Bear in 2022? The one that I was most sure about was Michael Schofield, the right guard. You know, I thought when they first signed him at the beginning of training camp, I thought at first he'd be penciled in as that starter at right guard. Now, eventually they move Tevin Jenkins over to that spot. He continues to play well and earns that trust of this Bears coaching staff to presumably now be locked in as your week one right guard starter. But I thought even with Tevin Jenkins' progress, Michael Schofield is still like an eight-year starter at guard in the NFL. He's in his early 30s. He's always been consistent. He's never been like a Pro Bowl caliber guy, but a guy that you know what you're getting with Michael Schofield. I thought, oh, well, even if he's not starting, he'd still be a cheap, reliable veteran backup. That'd be nice to have that versatility. He's played some right tackle in his career as well. And you've got sixth and seventh round picks there, Zachary Thomas and Jatir Carter, both promising young late round draft picks. But guys, I think you could get away with stashing on the practice squad. So I was surprised they kept both of those guys and, and opted not for the veteran because if you have an injury or something at guard, you're going to be rolling with a sixth or seventh round pick or maybe Sam Mustafer. And I'd prefer Michael Schofield over any of those guys. But the Bears clearly wanting to go young and wanting to go with the development this season as opposed to trying to keep those guys rolling on the squad. You know, it's interesting because just a few weeks ago when training camp started and Schofield and Riley Reef were added as those last minute on the eve of training camp offensive line apparent upgrades bears fans reacted to that news like hey look ryan poles is not ignoring the offensive line he's doing what this team needs to give justin fields a chance to have at least some semblance of a pocket to throw from to give the running game some chance to actually develop develop positive yards and here we are in schofield didn't even make the team and i was actually wondering is riley reef even 100 safe with how the trend has gone up front with Tevin Jenkins becoming literally going from missing in action, the most bizarre twist of tails that we've seen in a long time in a training camp environment where he looked like he was had played his last down as a Chicago Bear to now he's elevated himself to starting right guard and making Michael Schofield expendable. I'm wondering if, is this part of the Bears sending a message to everyone out there? Like, we believe in Tevin Jenkins, the Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, the trade speculation. It's nonsense. And not only do we believe in Tevin Jenkins as a starter, we're going to eliminate the, the most logical source of competition for his job, which is Michael Schofield. We're all in with this guy. Maybe with a player like Jenkins, who you know, Lauren, studying him in the pre-draft process, motivation, state of mind, his want to is a big part of what was concerning about him as a prospect. So. Maybe in a weird way, this is kind of clearing some of that mental clutter for Tevin Jenkins. It's your job. You're not looking over your shoulder. You're our right guard for 2022 and potentially beyond. But it also says, Lauren, like Schofield, like you said, he's kind of just a guy at this point in his career. Yeah. So for him to go from, oh, the Bears finally got an offensive lineman to he's cut. He didn't even make the roster it kind of gives you a little pause as a Bears fan to say, wait a minute, where are we at with this roster in reality? Not just from a fandom perspective, but in reality. Because if just a few weeks ago, Schofield looked like an upgrade to now he's cut. And who knows if he's going to even have a job in 2022. That does tell you a little bit about the state of the offensive line over the last couple of weeks, if not months. Who else besides Schofield stuck out, stood out to you as, a name that you didn't think we get their walking papers. The other one that I think most Bears fans were up in arms about, and I had kind of had my my doubts, and so I wasn't as floored by it, but Thomas Graham Jr., the cornerback, six-round pick last year, came out about later in the season when they had some injuries at that spot, ended up starting on the outside, playing some snaps in the slot as well, and looked like like a really promising young guy, like the, the next of the – Ryan Pace late round draft pick finds that end up being a lot better than what their draft status was worth, but he misses the entire preseason, pretty much all of training camp. As far as I could tell, uh, presumably injured, but we don't really know exactly with what, and they didn't, they didn't designate him for injured reserve. They didn't do a waived injured type situation. They could have put him on the physically unable to perform list. They opted to just regular wave him. And it, it something just feels like 
we're missing some kind of information there on why he was just completely MIA this preseason, but he had shown so much as a rookie that we thought, well, even having not played, could he still be impressive enough of a talent to say, yeah, he's still got to make this 53 man roster, but instead, you know, they go with the likes of Lamar Jackson or the current undrafted rookie for agent Jalen Jones. I mean, some guys that were just completely off the radar entering training camp as presumably camp body type guys that make the roster over a very recent draft pick, albeit a super late round draft pick, but another Ryan Pace six round pick Duke Shelley made it over to Thomas Graham. So it really does seem like it's an availability thing with guys like him and Mario Edwards jr. Who had the same fate. Yeah. The, the, uh, the old cliche, right? The best ability in the NFL is availability. And if no matter how talented you might be, if you're not on the field, you're not an asset to the team. And I agree with you. Graham was a player who looked like the pleasant surprise from the 2021 draft class who was going to emerge as, I don't want to say a cornerstone or a critically important player on defense, but when you hit on a day three pick at a premium position like cornerback, you're kind of playing with house money at that point in terms of roster building. And that looked, it looked, it started to look like the Bears may have done that with Graham. But what I, the sense I got from, the way the roster was handled today by polls is he's making sure it's a locker room full of his guys. Right. And while Graham might be an innocent victim of that, the reality is I almost all, but one, I'm actually, I think all the draft picks made the roster. Kramer is, is injured, but polls stuck with his scouting reports, including the undrafted rookies that he signed over players who have, if like you said, late round draft pedigree, still they were draft picks. Uh, if you believe Dan Orlovsky, where you're drafted matters a hell of a lot in terms of whether you're a good football player or not. But the bottom line is it looks like Ryan Poles really wanted to make sure he knew everything about the composition of the players on this roster, whether it was the free agents he signed, the rookies he drafted, the rookies he signed after the draft. And you saw some of these guys that looked like they had a really good chance of sticking around like Graham get the unexpected acts. But you're absolutely dead on, Lawrence. Something was up in training camp where Graham was just living off of a reputation from 2021. And when you have a new head coach, a new defensive coordinator, a new front office, that doesn't matter anymore. And, you know, the NFL has always been has always stood for the not for long league, right? And if it doesn't matter what you did last year, it matters how you're going to help the team this year. And maybe he wasn't viewed as a perfect fit in Matt Eberflus's defense. Maybe the tape told the Bears coaches a little bit of a different story than the fans. Uh, took from last year in his rookie year, but that was an interesting one. And Mario Edwards was an interesting one because it wasn't that long ago that Mario Edwards was being talked about as like the perfect fit as a three technique in Matt Eberflus's defense. And another guy who doesn't play at all in training camp, he's gone. Um, what about the wide receiver decisions today? Did you think there was anything surprising in terms of who made the cut, who got cut? What, what was your thoughts on the wide receiver depth chart? Yeah, it, it went how I thought it ended up would, but I wondered if Tajay, I was, I was wondering if Tajay Sharp might have lost his spot only because of that availability. Like we were just talking about where you know, he had that first big preseason game where he made the nice sideline catch and another one up the seam on the right side of the field. And it was like the Tajay Sharp coming out party and then kind of trailed off a little bit. There wasn't, wasn't in the last couple of preseason games and wasn't standing out as like a practice you know, at practice standout type of guy. And it was Dante Pettis that was over and over coming up as the name that people were raving about. And we'd hear more about like Simba Webster and, and some of the other lesser known players at wide receiver. So I just wondered if maybe Sharp could find himself the odd man out because he has never played special teams in a regular season or preseason game in his NFL career. He does not play special teams. And so I thought, well, if Dante Pettis is working in as a punt returner, he can offer you a little bit more of an upside there. Of course, the Bears ended up keeping both, but it is still rare that a number five wide receiver on the depth chart, maybe we'll call him, doesn't play special teams at all. It's going to require, you know, Bayless Jones, Equinemius St. Brown and company to play to pick up some of the slack there as well. And I guess we'll sort of see if another wide receiver is available here. Some some nice players put on waivers that the Bears could have put in claims for. Maybe Sharp could end up being the odd man up, but it does feel like Pettis did a lot to push himself at least one spot higher on the depth chart than where Sharp is. And I think Dante Pettis, just as a prospect coming out in the draft and just as a player in the league, is a more dynamic player. I think he's a more dynamic wide receiver as, as, in terms of a playmaker, his route running ability, his yards after the catch ability, Tajay Sharp a little bit of a bigger target, a longer target. But this has kind of been Sharp's MO, right? He flashes 
in spurts. When he was a rookie, he was really impressive in the preseason. He got off to a pretty hot start early in his career, but his ceiling as a player is is pretty low. I, I don't think Tajay Sharp offers much upside beyond what we've already seen him put forth in the NFL with the Titans and the Falcons. I think he spent time with the Vikings. Dante Pettis, on the other hand, I don't think we've seen the best from him as a pro. We saw in 2018 when he was a rookie with the 49ers, he looked like he was on the launching pad of becoming one of the NFL's top young playmaking wideouts. And Kyle Shanahan's doghouse is a very real thing. Dante Pettis fell deep into the darkest corner of it, and he never recovered. And, you know, for a young player, that could be really difficult to bounce back from. He, he did okay with the Giants, nothing crazy. And you kind of felt like when he signed with the Bears, I, I put some tweets out and even wrote about it on Bears Talk, that I felt like he was a name to watch. He's not just a blip on the radar signing. This is a former second-round pick who a lot of people in his draft year even thought could be a first-round wide receiver. This yeah. is the level of talent we're talking about with Dante Pettis, who's what, 26 years old? I mean, he's young in wide receiver years, 25, 26 years old. He's still a guy who has a chance to be something. I mean, when you look at the wide receivers in Chicago outside of Darnell Mooney, is there a wide receiver more physically talented than Dante Pettis? He might be. He's more talented by, than Byron Pangle, just as a player. Not necessarily what they've done in the league in terms of production, availability, maybe they'll want to. But if we're just looking at the football player and the traits they bring to an offense, Dante Pettis might be the most talented wide receiver outside of Darnell Mooney on this roster. Fans are going to think I'm crazy for saying that because Dante Pettis' resume does not suggest he's that kind of a player, but he is. And if he connects with Justin Fields early in the season, the Bears could have backed into a type of wide receiver that fans wanted them to draft in the second round. Fans maybe would have wanted them to prioritize over Avalis Jones in the third round. Dante Pettis can be that kind of guy. So I'm really happy he made the cut. Tajay Sharp, I think you also, you know, getting a vote of confidence from your quarterback goes a long way. And Justin Fields talked highly of Tajay Sharp early in the preseason. I think that resonated through the roster decisions and Ryan Poles figures. Hey, look, keep happy quarterback, happy offense, happy offense. You score points, score points, you win games. So Tajay Sharp is part of that very elongated equation. Let's look at the roster here, Lauren. Let's let's take a deeper dive into the 53 and see if there's any surprises that made the team that you are you think the Bears maybe aren't better off for having them around or the positions that you think are really strong entering the 2022 season quarterback. They kept two: Justin Fields, Trevor Simeon. Are you surprised that Peterman is going to be a practice squad guy? I, I wish they'd use up. I mean, I get having your practice squad quarterback be someone who was around. I just wish they had had someone around that feels like there's more upside there. Like I, I've always kind of felt like man, Peterman probably gets unfairly criticized because everyone remembers the five interceptions, but like, Still, like Brock Purdy make the 49ers and some of these other the, the Dolphins of a late round, an undrafted quarterback who's been stellar. Like, it's always worth taking a flyer on some of these guys that you just don't know. And it feels like we kind of know what Peterman was. And I, I would rather use that practice squad spot on a young guy who could maybe develop into some kind of plus backup. And I just don't feel like Peterman's going to change at this point. Well, I mean, also, Lauren, if the Bears season got to a point where a Nathan Peterman level quarterback has to actually take snaps. Yeah. We're already planning for the draft because that means Justin Fields has probably suffered a very serious injury and Trevor Simeon has probably suffered a very serious injury and it's over. I mean, season's over at that point. So I'm fine with two quarterbacks, get a veteran with some experience to, you know, make everybody on the practice roster a little better, make the practice week a little more competitive. Peterman could probably take take those reps. Running back, the Bears kept three. By the way, I'm using Lauren Cox's 53-man <laughs> roster spreadsheet. So if there are any mistakes or any errors, make sure you go on Twitter at CoxSports1 and blast him over there. He welcomes all types of commentary on Twitter, especially brutal criticism. I already uh, had an error on it earlier today and had to delete it and retweet it. So I think I think exactly. it should be up now. Hopefully I have the correct version. Uh, <laughs> running back, they kept three. To me, this was this is chalk, right? You got Dave Montgomery, Cleo Herbert, Treston Ebner. I didn't think Darrington Evans did enough to make this roster. Um, you know, he looked like a promising backup early in his career behind Derrick Henry, but that obviously didn't work out for him. And I think we could have seen the last of Darrington Evans in a realist with a realistic chance 
to be on an NFL team. Anything stand out to you there? Did you think that was a mistake? The thing that stood out to me was throughout the preseason, Darrington Evans was first team four phase special teamer, kick coverage, kick return, punt coverage, punt return. He was the number one gunner on all the punt teams. And I thought that's, that's a great way to make the roster as a number three running back. And, you know, Treston Ebner did a little bit of special teams and it was the kick kickoff return guy in just the first preseason game. And that was about all we saw from him there. So I was like, well, kind of like the Tajay Sharp thing. It's like, can you keep an end of the bench guy at that position? That's not going to be as dynamic of a special teams contributor. Uh, apparently, yes, they, they would rather have the young guys with some upside there as opposed to Evans, who I agree wasn't giving you anything special on offense. I just thought special teams might be a bigger priority than it ended up being. Hey, Lauren, I'm old enough to remember David Montgomery taking special team snaps in training camp, which all the talking heads said, drop him down your fantasy football rankings because now he's a backup running back. So maybe that's the Bears master plan to deal with the special teams. Tight end, Cole Komet, Ryan Griffin, and Jake, Twitter favorite, Tungus. Uh, you have him here as a tight end. There was some chatter about the Bears kept two fullbacks on the roster. A lot of people have been referring to Jake as a fullback. His college tape and highlights from his days at Cal, I believe, right, looked very much uh, like an athletic playmaker for a guy his size. I don't think you're going to see any team in the league carry two fullbacks. I think it's very logical to say he's more of a tight end moving forward. And that's an interesting name to monitor, but I would pump the brakes bears Twitter on being a little too excited about a possible third string tight end who will be one of the first types of players. That's the, the that's the kind of player who, when a waiver claim gets processed, when another player gets added to the roster, who is the 51st, 52nd, 53rd guy on this roster right now? When we're, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of make some predictions as we go along here. But I think Tongas is a pretty good candidate to say he's in that last bracket of guys that made the cut. So if someone like a Preston Williams is going to be added or other another wide receiver insert veteran with a resume here, Tongas is probably going to be one of those first guys gone because there's going to be very limited reps behind uh, Cole Komet and Ryan Griffin on game day, barring injury. So if the Bears have a chance to upgrade somewhere, that's the kind of guy that could get the ax. Agree or disagree, Lauren? Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. I think, I, I wonder if, you know, they waived James O'Shaughnessy with a non-football illness. I wonder if O'Shaughnessy had been healthy or whatever that situation is, if that wasn't the case, if that would be O'Shaughnessy's roster spot and he makes it, almost out of luck or, or fortune for him that the, the veteran that they had signed much, much earlier in the offseason just happened to not be ready to go on the roster and went with Tongas. I will say, as far as his position versatility, his preseason snaps, I think it was 41 snaps at tight end, 22 snaps at wide receiver, and 21 snaps at fullback. So really, you know, that hybrid H-back movement role. I've been waiting for Bears fans with all the hype. I've been waiting for the Kyle Juszczyk comparisons, which would just be absolutely ridiculous. But I heard one that I really liked. Josiah DeGuara from the Green Bay Packers, the tight end out of Cincinnati. That that's more the build and the the role that a guy like uh, Tongas could run. Although again, number three tight end, not going to be even as big of a role as DeGuara had in Green Bay. But Getzi at least has that type for an H back role, and Tongas fits sort of like the build and style of player for that. And he offers. He's the only guy in the roster that has those traits. So when you do offer something a little bit different than Cole Komet, who's more of a Maybe I'll say Kyle Rudolph type. Ryan Griffin's a little more of your linear type of player as well. If you have some athletic traits at the position who, you know, but I mean, we've been down this road before. Yeah. I mean, why can't I, Lauren, I'm embarrassed. The tight end that uh, the Princeton kid, wide receiver turned tight end. Yeah. I'm. Uh, why with am my... I blanking on him? He was, he was like the guy that was supposed to be the uh, pass catching tight end that Ryan Pace Jeff and Matt Nagy never Horstead. Jesper Horstead. That's the guy. I had to look it We've up. been down this road with Jesper Horstead. I mean, remember how much run Jesper Horstead had after he had a great preseason? Zero. So I think we now different coaching staff, possibly more creative coaching staff. Um, but I think this is the year of Cole Komet at tight end. Obviously, it's stating the obvious for Chicago this season. I don't think Tongas is would even have a lot of weeks where he's maybe on the game day roster unless. He proves to be very uh, valuable in special teams. Now, moving on to a position that's been under the microscope all offseason for Chicago, and that's wide receiver. Uh, they ended up keeping seven, but really six. And Kill Harry, 
was on the 53-man roster. He's going to be moved over to IR, I'm assuming, where the Bears can make a decision with uh, on him after a month of the season. But Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle, the, the penciled starters with Vilas Jones likely coming in at the slot. You have a quantum of St. Brown. Ho on the last episode of the Bears Talk podcast, which I recommend everybody goes listen to, make sure you subscribe to the show because you're not going to get this kind of quality Chicago Bears content analysis anywhere other than probably Locked on Bears. <laughs> um, and I'm not just saying that because Lauren's sitting next to me on this virtual world here. But I I'm not totally impressed with what I've seen from EQ in the preseason. I kind of understand why he wasn't able to crack a significant role in Green Bay. Just kind of looks like a slow mover uh, for a guy. Even as big as he is, you say, oh, guy's that big. They're open even when they're covered. I don't know. EQ's got to prove a little something to me early in the season for me to get confident in him. But he's in the mix to be that 2-3 guy. And then Tajay Sharp, Dante Pettis, like we talked about. That's like a really appealing 5-6 combo there. I don't think they're going to be 5-6. We just talked about this a few minutes ago. I think you're going to watch Dante Pettis fly up that depth chart by the time the season rolls around and Harry kind of rounds it out at seven, but it's really six. Do you think we're looking at a position group here? That's going to see an addition or two over the next couple of days. Teams usually don't carry more than six receivers on the 53 man. So even if and kill Harry goes to some kind of injury designation, if the bears want to add somebody like a Preston Williams or one of these other names, if you have one, you can add to the mix here, Lauren, somebody's got to probably go. I don't think they're going to carry seven. Do you think this is a position that's unfinished or do you think the bears are done with where they're at? It, it, I mean, it, it's, it's tough because it feels like there's so much room to add to that position and that the quality of players. I and mean, you mentioned Preston Williams or Tyler Johnson from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, there's a lot, a lot of different names out there that like, just feel like clear upgrades for the bears. But these are guys that haven't been in training camp, haven't been there in the preseason for them to, for the bears to watch and haven't been learning in the system. So it, it, it's not like it's like a, a true, like, established starter who can just come in and pick up the system. Like it's all guys that you think are better, but not necessarily going to be like instant plug and play dynamic wide receivers. So I, I don't know. I get the impression that this regime likes their guys, wants guys that fit their culture and, you know, a street free agent at the end of roster cutdowns, they might not have the, the full time to evaluate the character of the people and, and find the right fits. That's been the big emphasis from them is we want to find the guys that fit our system. And if it's just whatever, was left over from some of these other teams might not be, they might not be as confident in them as, as that fit in their system. So I could see them saying, screw it. We're, we're sticking with our young guys. We're, we're trying to develop these players that are on our roster. And, and I think to your point, as much as like the depth chart is going to have, you know, one through six, I think once you get after number one, it's, it's going to be super blurry and that Byron Pringle may still finish with the second leading receiving yards just because of the opportunities that he's going to get. But the separation in the third most receiving yards and the fifth most receiving yards might be, very, very slim. And a guy like Dante Pettis might be the second best route runner on this team. If you just consistently get open, that's, that's going to be a great way to get production. And I'll say, you know, Equinemius St. Brown and Tajay Sharp are the only two like big bodies. Everyone else is a little bit more on the slimmer side, a little bit, not short, but shorter, more speed guys. So th those guys should have some opportunities to be that balance in the offense. But if you can't get open you can't get open. And if you can't catch tough catches, then you end up just being Nikhil Harry. Right. And, you know, Justin Fields actually did mention Dante Pettis's route running uh, mm -hmm. on the touchdown throw he had in the Cleveland game. He specifically mentioned Pettis as one of the better route runners on the team. And look, once you start getting the confidence and trust in your quarterback that you're going to run the right route and be where you're supposed to be and generate the kind of separation that top tier route runners can generate. Don't be surprised if by Thanksgiving, Dante Pettis is a significant talking point around league circles because of his almost comeback breakout, whatever type of year you want to call it that he has in Chicago. It look, there's probably no other team in the league that can provide a guy like Pettis or Tajay Sharp or any of these guys, the kind of opportunity to reinvent themselves than Chicago this year. And I think when you talk about guys that possibly could be added at wide receiver, you talk, you, like you mentioned some other teams, leftovers, why bring them on if they're street free agents, they're not homegrown, they don't know the system. It's important to analyze the roster that they didn't make and how blocked were they by established stars like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Russell Gage in Tampa Bay. There was going to be very little opportunity to make a roster there. Preston Williams in Miami with Jalen Waddell and 
Tyree Hill and Cedric Wilson signing big money contracts. Where was he really going to fit in? I get it as a four or five, but if there's tight roster decisions, maybe a younger player, maybe somebody with more long-term upside that the team views as a developmental player, they were going to, you know, a guy like um, Preston Williams gonna, is going to get walking papers. But in Chicago, could he be the third best guy in the team? I mean, it's possible because yeah. they don't have Tyreek Hill and uh, Jalen Waddle and Cedric Wilson on the roster. So uh, other teams that maybe got rid of wide receivers without a more, that established depth chart ahead of them, that's where you got to say to yourself, well, what, what's the point, right? And also, I think if Ryan Poles was going to look to make a move at wide receiver at this point in the cycle, it probably would have been like a trade, like maybe a Jalen Rieger in Philly, a first-round pick that needs a change of scenery. I think we would have seen a trade more so than a claim on the waiver wire because at that point, like you said, Lauren, I mean, what are they really gaining? It's just another Dante Pettis, Tajay Sharp type. At this point, moving to the next and maybe even more important position than wide receiver on offense, and that's the offensive line, which I think this is where we had some. We talked about Schofield being the biggest surprise for me, Lauren. I don't know if you agree, but this today was my come to Jesus moment with this offensive line where <laughs> I said to myself, whoa, this is I really hope this works out. Because some of the names of guys that made the 53-man roster for the Chicago Bears, if this was the Green Bay Packers roster, if this was the Detroit Lions roster, if this was the Minnesota Vikings roster, as Bears fans, we would be targeting this group and probably not being too kind with our commentary. So as Bears fans, as Bears analysts, as Bears writers and content creators, we have to be honest about the potential slippery slope that lies ahead with this line. Braxton Jones, left tackle. Larry Borum, right tackle. Swing tackle, Riley Reef. Cody Whitehair, left guard. Tevin Jenkins, right guard. Zach Thomas and Jatire Carter, backup interior lineman. Lucas Patrick at center, and you have Sam Mustafer listed as the backup center. Sam Muster for last year, this time everybody wanted to kick out of the league by December. Zach Thomas and Jatire Carter have not taken a snap in real NFL football. Braxton Jones has not taken a snap in live NFL football. Larry Borum is playing essentially a new position. That same guy, Braxton Jones, is blocking Justin Fields' blindside. Never a snap in NFL football. Fifth round pick, small school level of competition in college. Where do you stand right now, Lauren, with the offensive line? How do you feel when you hear those names? Those are not practice squad names, right? We're not talking about Zach Thomas and Jatire Carter and Braxton Jones and Sam Mustafer as guys that made the Bears practice squad. We're talking about guys who are one injury, one snap away from blocking for Justin Fields. Where are you at with this? Yeah, that's why I thought those, I mean, at least Thomas and Carter would be practice squad guys and that Michael Schofield would be on the roster as that veteran. Not that he's great, but just as something with experience, something that you know a little bit more of what you're getting. And it seems to me like the Bears are, are just willing to live with the volatility and understand that, yeah, Braxton Jones is going to make rookie mistakes. And Tevin Jenkins is still basically like a rookie. He barely played last season. And Larry Borum is catching up as well. And I think they're willing to say, you know what, like, there are going to be mistakes there, but we would rather let these players learn and grow on the fly, knowing that the whole team is going to be doing a lot of that learning and growing and that they can try and get, you know, just live with that and suffer through it. Even though it's not what I would want to do. I, I would want the best possible offensive line. Screw the development because Justin Fields development is going to be most important. And having good pass protection will be, I think even more important than having good wide receivers for Justin Fields to grow his footwork and, and really, make progress in the aspects of quarterbacking that he needs to make the most progress. The one thing I will say is that I was thinking back to last season at this time when we were looking at the initial 53 men roster last season, and you could look at that roster and say, man, the offensive line depth looked like a problem. And it certainly ended up being a problem last season, but I compare like those backups to these backups. And I don't think they're necessarily noticeably worse when last year you started the season with Alex bars and Lachavius Simmons well, let me back. jump in here. Let me jump in here, Lauren. I don't know if that's a good thing. I'm not saying it's good. I but mean, we ended the season saying a number one priority for this team was getting better at the offensive line. 
saying we didn't get worse isn't necessarily saying that they got better, right? And I think one of the things you're seeing with this depth chart, again, Ryan Poles going with his draft picks and his free agent signing in, in Lucas Patrick, which is obviously he's one of the better offensive linemen on the roster right now. But you have Braxton Jones, Zach Thomas, Jatire Carter, Lucas Patrick, Riley Reef. Five of the, what do we have? Six, nine, nine oh, three, more than that. Three, six, yeah. Five of the nine offensive linemen that made the 53-man roster are directly handpicked by Ryan Poles. Michael Schofield, you could say, was too. So again, I, I kind of does, it does, it is a head scratcher. You cut a guy with 82 NFL starts who you chose to sign as a free agent on the eve of training camp and you replace him with guys who haven't played. Now, Zach Thomas, I'm a big fan of. I think he could be an NFL starter in the future, but like, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. It's got me a little bit nervous because when I try to do an honest assessment of this team, it's what I said before. Like, if this was the Packers 53 man roster, I'd be blasting them on Twitter with Braxton Jones at left tackle and like, you know, Sam Mustafer still making the team, right? I'd be blasting them. You'd be blasting them. We'd all be blasting them. So we have to be honest with this and just kind of keep our fingers crossed that a player like Braxton Jones is going to make this the 2022 draft class special. It's a special draft class because they found a, a a blue chip left tackle who's going to start for the next six to eight years in the fifth round. Um, otherwise, listen, we got problems. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball, Lauren. Defensive line was kind of surprising. We'll kind of cover the whole gamut here with the defensive ends and interior defenders. Robert Quinn, obvious no-brainer. Travis Gibson, no-brainer. No Al-Kadeen Muhammad, no-brainer. Dominic Robinson, no-brainer. That kind of went chalk, right? You had the veteran who broke the sack record, the up-and-comer breakout guy in Gibson, free agent signing in Muhammad, and the rookie draft pick with upside in Dominique Robinson. So no-brainer there. Defensive tackle, we got a little bit kind of blurry here. Justin Jones, he's the three-tech free agent signing, one of the biggest free agent signings the team made, actually. He'll be the starter. I think he's a good player. Angelo Blackson at nose tackle, Mike Pennell, and Kyrus Tonga. I mean... That's a little light for me. It's a little odd. It's again, it's unproven for the most part players who, you know, this defense, I think the bears football culture automatically props a defense up a little higher than maybe the talent warrants. Like you think Chicago bears football, you think running backs, you think defense. And I think when a team has that reputation, they bring it into the season even before you see the product on the field. While that might sound bizarre, I think Chicago's defense hasn't been viewed as maybe a weakness because it's the Bears' defense. And they added these exciting rookies in the secondary. And, hey, Roquan Smith is back, and a guy with 18 and a half sacks is lining up getting after the quarterback again this year. But an interior defensive line of Justin Jones and Angelo Blackson, uh, where are we at with that, Lauren? Yeah, that feels to me like when Nikhil Harry presumably goes on injured reserve, that seems like position number one that should get some kind of addition because I don't really think of there being a backup three technique. Like Mike Pennell has always been kind of a, he can play both spots, but he's always been a nose tackle type guy. And then Tonga and Blackson have pretty much been nose tackles for their careers. And I looked it up. The, the four of them combined have a career total of 15 sacks total among their, all of their entire careers. Not that sacks are the best way to measure how defensive tackles pass rush all the time, but that's got to be the lowest in the NFL. I mean, I, I haven't looked that up, but I think comparatively for interior pass rushers, I can't imagine a team has fewer than 15 combined career sacks by interior guys. We're projecting more from Justin Jones this season in a bigger role, but that's a projection. And I've never been a huge Angelo Blackson guy. Tonga's a seventh round pick and, and Pennell's been a mediocre veteran over his career, but like none of those guys strike me as big, big time difference makers. And it just feels like, it needs to be something else there. I thought Mario Edwards might be the backup three technique, you know, interior pass rusher, like you said, good fit for the scheme. Never saw him in the preseason, never saw him at training camp. Just whatever reason. Tra Trayvon Coley, I thought, had a fantastic yeah. preseason. A guy that was disruptive, a guy that looked like he could slide up and down a defensive line with his physical makeup and body type. Even almost like the the jack of all trades defensive lineman. I don't I was surprised he didn't get a chance to at least begin the season on the active roster. 
Was he was he one of the surprise cuts for you this year too? I think so, and, and that's what I wonder if Harry goes on IR and he's the first one they bring back, right, as opposed to bringing somebody from outside the organization. I didn't look around too much at defensive tackle pass rushers that get cut, but interior pass rush tends to be pretty valuable, and you're not going to see too many teams move on from quality players at that position. So give me the guy who's been here and had some production in the preseason. It's better than what they got right now. That's a good point. I mean, there might be a handshake under the table deal right now with a guy like Coley where if he gets an offer – to sign somewhere else if he's not claimed off waivers. I don't even if he's subject to waivers. I don't know where he's at in his career, but um, if all things are equal, if there's a tie and he knows the bears and he's going to have a role there and it's just a numbers game with Nikhil Harry, maybe he hangs around and he does come back. That would be a nice little boost to this position group if they get him back, which again, Trayvon Coley was another blip on the radar signing during uh, the, the days leading up to training camp. And now he was the Bears' best pass rusher. He's the second, according to Pro Football Focus, I think he was the Bears' second best pass rusher all preseason. I don't see how a guy like that gets cut, especially when you're like you're talking about, Lauren. The, the guys who were retained have no real pass rush history. I think Justin Jones, again, as you alluded to, is going to get to that level this year. He talked about in during training camp how he's able to just kind of pin his ears back and get after the quarterback this year for the first time in his career. And I think that's something where his numbers will get inflated just based on scheme. He'll 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 have a little bit of a, a more of a boost in production, and he he better. I mean, the three technique. We think back to the days of Tommy Harris. That that's the kind of position where you have to create that interior disruption as a pass rusher. And I think Jones has the traits to do it. But like you said, we don't have a guy who's proven it yet that he can. And that includes a Trayvon Coley or Mario Edwards or some of these guys. Mario Edwards' career best year was a four sack season, at least in Chicago. He had what, six sacks over two years, four in 2020. So he's like he's a decent player, but again, he's not he's not gonna fix all the problems, right? I think this, I think you're right. I think this position group is where we might see a name or even two added over the next 48 hours or so. Moving to the linebackers, Roquan Smith, Nick Morrow, Matt Adams, Joe Thomas, America's favorite son, Jack Sanborn, and Caleb Johnson make the roster. Uh, Caleb Johnson, maybe to me is a little surprise. I know special teams kind of goes a long way with his evaluation. Jack Sanborn, no brainer. I mean, if he didn't make the team, Lauren, then there's nothing a player can do in the preseason to earn a roster spot as an undrafted free agent. He stuffed the stat sheet in every way a player is supposed to, whether it was on special teams as a defensive playmaker, ball skills, forcing turnovers, just, he just did it all. Uh, I think this is a promising group. I think if you look at the defense, the first level of the defense maybe has some questions. The second level, maybe not household names. Roquan Smith, one of the league's best. Nick Morrow has a lot of upside. Still, his ceiling has not been reached. And then even the depth guys, they have some promise. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I go back and forth on a little bit. Like, first of all, big Jack Sanborn guy. Interviewed him many times at Wisconsin. Just like really easy to root for. A guy that seemed like solid special teams guy. The, the Nick Kwiatkowski style of like, I think, when he's going to be on the field in the regular season, well, if he were on the field on defense, he might be a little slow and might be more of a two-down type of linebacker, but can certainly stand out in the preseason and help on special teams and have the upside that you're definitely looking for at that position. But like after Roquan Smith and Nick Morrow, Matt Adams has almost never played a regular season game. I mean, he plays special teams, but defensively, he has almost no experience on defense. Joe Thomas was a starter you know, five, six years ago with the Green Bay Packers where they were constantly kind of looking to upgrade their defense or their linebacker positions. But he's on the wrong side of 30 now and more of a career special teams guy. And then... Didn't San you think Adam? Didn't you think Adams flashed in the preseason though? I, he kind of flashed. I, I, he stood out a couple plays. He, there were some moments where I was checking the roster card to make sure I got the right guy. And I'm I, like, you know, this guy, this guy's got some traits. And, and I think it's, again, opera opportunity, right? This, this, the, the secret to unlocking an NFL career. All these guys are good football players. You need the right opportunity in the right system in the right locker room with the right coaches. If you got the traits, you don't know what you got. I think Matt Adams is a traitsy guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he over outplays your unbelievably critical analysis of him, of him Lauren. I think he's a guy who spent four seasons with Matt Eberflus and could never crack the lineup over there. And I know like he came in the same draft class as Darius Leonard. So like there was always going to be a little bit of something ahead of him, but we saw guys come up like Bobby Okereke through that system and uh, uh, Anthony Walker, a few different guys like 
they made other changes at linebacker and but doesn't, but doesn't it say something to you, Lauren? If he spent four years with Matt Eberflus and now Matt Eberflus brings him with him to Chicago, that that actually is a check mark in his favor versus if Eberflus didn't think this guy could play. If Eberflus thought he's just a guy, why make him one of the first defensive players you bring aside from, I know what your response is going to be knows the system can kind of be a coach on the field. He knows Eberflus's way, the hits principle, you know, you get an, an, an extra basically set of eyes and ears on the field and Eberflus knows him is familiar with him. I get it, but 53 guys are all you have on a roster. If that's why Eberflus brought him to Chicago, then he did his job in training camp. Now you're gone. You only have those 53 spots. That's prime real estate in the NFL. And he's got one. And he's not, he's not sticking around because Eberflus wants another cheerleader for the hits principles, right? He's sticking around because I think he could play, Lauren. I'm not saying he's a terrible linebacker or anything, but I'm just... I think he's a good special teams player and a good leader on the field, but I just don't think he's a guy that I, I if he's playing significant snaps on defense this year, I'm, I'm concerned. Like if, if like obviously it would be an injury to Roquette Smith or Nick Morrow, but I would be, I would be concerned about wanting something better at linebacker. And I think when it's all said and done, we'll see Joe Thomas as the, the other starter in base defense. It'll be Thomas Roquan and, and Nick Morrow at middle linebacker. And Adams has been more the backup Mike and will, but not the Sam, so he's more like the fourth linebacker because they've gone with with Joe Thomas in more of that true Sam position. So I just I, I don't know. I think there's a familiarity there in a special teams and maybe he still has some upside, too. But I don't know. I think he stood out in preseasons in the past and never. Been maybe able to maybe we'll do a, a friendly Bears talk versus locked on Bears wager about who gets more snaps on defense in 2022, Thomas or Adams. We'll, we'll have to come up with something off air and. And listen, the Adams Hive, I know it exists somewhere deep in the darkest corners of Twitter, NFL Twitter, Bears Twitter, maybe even draft Twitter. Go after Lauren on Twitter, at Cox Sports 1. Um, what do you think, Sam? Let's go back to Sanborn for a minute. What do, you, what do you think his upside is? Do you think the Bears found something here? I don't want to – I mean, I don't want to cap his ceiling too bad, but there is a reason he went undrafted, right? Maybe that was unfairly undrafted, but still – there weren't enough concerns coming out of, from college with him about being, you know, a true fluid athlete in space, being that three down linebacker. He seemed to show improvement in that area and certainly has like the instincts and the physicality and a lot of the things you love to see at linebacker. But uh, again, I, I think he could step into that Matthew Adams type role early in his career. And over time gets, if he gets a chance to develop, I mean, certainly nothing's really locked in stone in Chicago right now, not even Roquan Smith is locked in stone as a, a long-term piece just yet until with, with contract negotiations broke down. So he's got all the opportunity in the world to, to, to thrive here. And I, I see starter potential, but I, I do wonder if eventually some physical limitations will catch up to him a little bit. And I, and I think that's the issue that followed him into the NFL draft and through the NFL draft was the perceived physical limitations. And I think once you get like Matt Eberflus likes to say, once you get on the grass, the stopwatch, the 40 time, the vert, the bench press, none of that matters. It's about instinct. I mean, I shouldn't say none of it matters. Some of it matters. But instincts, play speed, things you cannot measure indoors in Indianapolis on a track in shorts and a t-shirt. You cannot measure that stuff. Sometimes there are certain guys that pop up whose play speed and instincts make them a faster football player on the grass than the linebacker that ran a four five five. I think that's what we've seen with Sanborn. And I think he was just so good, such a quality throwback instinctual linebacker that he made the decision very easy for Ryan Poles and the bears front office. I don't think there was any debate about whether Jack Sanborn should be on this roster. He was one of the best players on the team for three straight weeks in the preseason. So I think he's got upside long-term guy. Like you said, Kwiatkowski is a good comp in terms of his trajectory through the ranks with the Bears. He ended up signing a huge contract or for his purposes, a big contract in free agency with the Raiders. Didn't really work out for him, but he he was a good player. He, he turned into something pretty good. I think Sanborn might even have more upsides. Kwiatkowski was a pretty good athlete too, but I think Sanborn might be more of an instinctual player than, than Nick was when he was in Chicago. Now, what I think a lot of people have viewed as the – the strength, if not of the defense, maybe the entire team is the secondary. 
And it was interesting because there were some names, like we talked about earlier, Thomas Graham Jr., who didn't make the cut. But I don't think, I mean, you, you can jump in in a second if there was any surprises. Cornerback, Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Duke Shelley, Kendall Vildor, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Jones. Obviously, we'll talk about Lamar and Jalen in a minute. Jalen Jones, that is. Safety, Jaquan Brisker, Eddie Jackson, obvious. Dane Crickshank and DeAndre Houston Carson. And Elijah Hicks makes the team, makes the 53-man roster. Another guy who had some plays on special teams in the preseason, looks the part of that instincts guy. Another Ryan Poles draft pick who maybe got a little nudge onto the 53-man squad because of that draft pedigree. Overall, big picture, how are you feeling about the secondary? And then kind of filter it down to, are you surprised a guy like Duke Shelley's still around? Makes the 53-man roster. Are you surprised that Kendall Vildor still around making the 53? These are guys that like, they, they just seem to just hang around and, and not really emerge during the season. What are your thoughts overall secondary stuff? I really do think injuries shaped how that 53 would go. And that if Thomas Graham had been healthy and available the whole time, and if Tavon Young had been healthy and available the whole time, I think we'd see a different starting lineup. And I, I think we'd see both of them on the 53-man roster and uh, you know, probably not Duke Shelley and maybe not Lamar Jackson or Jalen Jones, depending on how they felt about those guys. I, I really think they were forced into some of this. Like, I mean, right now, Kendall Vildor is going to be an outside starting quarterback on this defense and Ky Kyler Gordon's going to play the slot and Jalen Johnson on the outside. And kind of like we talked about with the offensive line, it's like this looked like a position they needed to upgrade. And right now they've upgraded the slot, but it's the same guy. And perhaps Kendall Vildor has taken that step forward and perhaps this being an easier scheme that asks the cornerbacks to not have to read as much and just kind of keep their eyes on the quarterback and on the ball and be able to attack downhill a little bit more. Maybe that can suit his skill set a little bit better and, and make him a better cornerback than we saw last season and sort of provide that, that natural development upgrade as opposed to like the direct player versus player upgrade there. But like, like, like with the offensive line, like I'm not in love with the depth, you know, if Jalen Johnson gets hurt, Lamar Jackson starting on the outside, that's what we saw in the preseason. And that's, that seems like Artie Burns level like last year. Like it seems like we're back to where we were at that position. Or if you, if, Kyler Gordon gets hurt in the slot, then it's probably Duke Shelley. And that's exactly where we were last season. So it that's a position where like cornerback, especially felt like, you know, when you, when you had Tavon Young and Thomas Graham, in addition to these other younger guys, it, it felt like there was a little bit more of a young boost there, but now it feels a little bit more back. Like we were, whereas like safety, I think it might be the best position on the roster top to bottom with two solid starters really like what they have in the backups and a young developmental player there. Uh, no concerns at that spot. So after going through this top to bottom 53-man squad, I mean, kicker and punter aside, kickers are people, punters are people, long snappers count too. And we love all those guys, and we know a game or two in Chicago especially could come down to a kicker, not double-doinking and ending a season. But we don't have to waste any time on that right now. When you look at the roster top to bottom, do you have the same, like I talked about that come-to-Jesus moment with the offensive line, do you have that same, okay, like the part of the calendar filled with hope and like joy and wishful thinking to feel like reality might be setting in just a little bit. Like when you just talked about Kendall Vildor or like Duke Shelley <laughs> actually playing meaningful reps. Yeah, that's not a good football team. Like th th at the end of the day, Lauren, that's not good, right? If Sam Mustafer, or if we're sitting here in week six and Zachary Thomas is starting before he's ready, or Jatire Carter is somehow taking snaps with starters, or Braxton Jones has become a turnstile left tackle, there is really and truthfully a path to this team being bad <laughs> you're a bears right. hater brian you're and i don't i am not that guy i fight all of bears media to the death like the scene in braveheart ready to lead all of my bears faithful down the hill into war however in the privacy of our own special council meetings we <laughs> have to be realistic with this i i am and will always be the quarterback is 
what do they say? The tide that raises all boats. I don't know. You can you you know more of the pop culture references than me, Lauren. If that's even pop culture, I don't even know. <laughs> but the quarterback is the ultimate deodorant. You can take a roster that's very average to very below average and still be competitive because you have a very capable quarterback who can put a team on his shoulders and win a game. We've seen it in Seattle for years with Russell Wilson. Um, you know, how good would the Ravens really be without Lamar Jackson as the quarterback? Yeah. You've seen teams in the past that just their level of success because of the play of the quarterback. Look at the Bengals with Joe Burrow. They can over and kind of go beyond expectations that a roster might present because of the play of the quarterback. And if I'm looking at this team right now, if Justin Fields isn't that dude in 2022, spoiler alert, I think he will be. But if he isn't that dude, there's going to be some really rough Sundays for Bears fans. And that's not being a hater because, as you know, Lauren, I wake up and go to sleep every day bleeding blue and orange. And this will give me agita and anxiety and stress if they don't win games. I'm hoping and praying that's not the reality. But do you have the same like knee-jerk reaction when you see a roster and you're talking about Duke Shelley or Kendall Vildor possibly starting or Braxton Jones is the left tackle. Where are you at? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about this a little bit. And I think what it comes down to is like when, when training camp starts, right? There's a lot of positions with a lot of competition. And you're like, okay, an offensive tackle, you got Tevin at the time, Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum and Braxton Jones. And they signed Riley Reef, And you're like, yeah, okay. We don't know who the starters are going to be, but out of that group, you should get a couple of good players that rise to the top there and you'll feel pretty good. But so you can have hope that like, we don't know what it's going to be, but that's going to play out or at cornerback, right? They got Kyler Gordon in there. They got Thomas Graham coming back. Kendall Vildor is in that mix. They got Tavon Young to solidify the slot. There'll be a competition there, but they'll figure it out. And so some of those guys will be really good. Or, you know, you can go across the roster at wide receiver, the same thing. And then it's like, when you cut down and you see what's left, you no longer have that like hope of the competition still elevating the player and you're back to just like the player that we saw on paper of like oh yeah individually like without those other names there to sort of push them and collectively look like a better position group once you trim all the fat off of that and you're just left with the meat it's like oh this is this isn't great at all this is this is not what i was expecting and now you're just sort of desperately hoping that they're better than we expected as opposed to like expecting someone to really rise up and be that difference maker in that group. And we, you know, we can get carried away with what we see in preseason games and training camp practices. And ultimately the regular season games are going to tell us what we need to see about these players. But I I'm with you that it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel great. And I guess bigger picture, it's like if Justin Fields is that guy, then he can elevate the play of these players and you're going to be good to go anyway. And if Justin Fields isn't that guy, you're going to be drafting awfully close to the top five and maybe have an ability to draft another quarterback. If you really, if you get through this season and you could just tell he's not making the steps forward and he's not going to be the difference maker at quarterback. So maybe either way you can end up okay, but it, one way is definitely going to feel a lot worse and be a lot less fun. You know, I think the other part of this too, as we kind of wrap this up competition in training camp, like you said, is fun. It's, it's online content. It's, highlights on Twitter. It's, it's just, you're saying, Oh, Braxton Jones is having a great training camp. This rookie's going to rise to the top of the depth chart. And then on cut down day, you realize, wait, who is he really competing against? Yeah. Right. Like seriously, like you have that psychological realization that as excited as I was about Braxton Jones, I'm seeing names that got released. I'm seeing names that made the 53-man roster, and I'm saying, like, well, who the heck else could have been the left tackle? Tevin Jenkins clearly wasn't going to work out there. Larry Borum clearly was never an option from day one at left tackle. Riley Reef, maybe, but they're not even playing Riley Reef at right tackle over Larry Borum. So who was he really competing against? And at wide receiver, it's like, I would I, I hate when I hear the talking heads talk about the lack of skill position players to help Justin Fields because I again go back to opportunity being the king and most important variable of all, all success in the league. But yeah, it'd be nice to have 
Like, we're not talking about Tajay Sharp. (laughs) With all due respect to Tajay Sharp, I love Dante Pettis. It'd be nice to not be excited about Dante Pettis, right? So when you see a final roster and it's not the conversation's not, hey, Dante Pettis might beat out this guy. Dante Pettis has upside to beat out that guy. Then you realize, well, who the heck did he beat out Isaiah Coulter? What what are we talking about here, right? So this is where I step back and I say, okay, now we know who the Chicago Bears are right now. It'll change maybe in minor ways over the next 48 hours. We know who they are right now. Are the Bears, in the famous words of the late, great Dennis Green, are the Bears who we thought they were a couple of weeks ago when we had a little bit probably more optimism, a little more excitement, because of the new toy under the Christmas tree type of concept, right? Now this is the 53. Now this is what we're working with. This is what Justin Fields is working with. And fortunately for Bears fans, you can come to the Bears Talk podcast as long as you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, as long as you go to YouTube and subscribe anywhere, Google Play, Spotify, we're everywhere. Subscribe to the podcast. We are going to go through this journey together. The highs, which I'm hopeful we have a lot of them, The lows, consider this your vent session. Consider this therapy, Bears therapy. We'll go through it together here. Head over to Locked on Bears as well. You can hear Lauren every single day. If Lauren ever decides to boost his ratings and listens, you might even hear me as a guest on there someday, but that's up to him. I'm still waiting for the invite. Only like four times a year at minimum. Yeah. Follow him on Twitter at Cox Sports One. Follow me on Twitter at Brian Perez NFL. Go to bearstalk.com for daily Bears news and notes. And by the way, Lauren is also an occasional guest writer on Bears Talk. So when you see a Lauren Cox post, you're going to see a lot of great news notes and nuggets from him, facts, data. He does work for Pro Football Focus, so he brings his A game all the time. You can bring your A game on bearstalk.com by subscribing. Less than a cup of McDonald's coffee every month, you could be a premium member You can write the content. You can post the articles. You can get your voice out there in Bears Twitter. Bears fans, we have a 53-man roster. We have a 2022 squad. Let's hope this roster brings us a lot of wins, a lot of victory Mondays. But what we do know is you can keep coming back here to the Bears Talk podcast because together we will always bear down. Catch you next time.